listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Uh, so thankful to be here with you guys. Uh, when we first planted, the, first, uh, the closest harvest was uh, Phoenix, okay? And uh, when I planted, they called us Dances with Wolves. Uh, so uh, we're, uh, ever since we heard about the, the Harvest Bible Chapel here in Kelowna, we've been really excited and praying for you guys and to be now here with you and see what God's doing in this place. We're so excited and uh, so thankful for Meldon and Charlotte and just the opportunities that we've got to know them uh, over the last couple of years at our different retreats that we get together on and uh, uh, encouraged uh, that you guys have such a godly shepherd here and uh, I know that God's going to bless that in the work here. And uh, God's going to do great things in this community. So we're really excited about that. Um, so I'm a verse-by-verse guy. Is your pastor a verse-by-verse guy? Kind of like going through, I think I've seen you guys are going through Acts right now, right? And uh, that's what we do. Uh, but this morning, it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be like, I don't know if you've got uh, where exactly in Acts you're at, but uh, um, when you get to Paul, if you haven't already been there, uh, he's, he, as, he, as you go through the book of Acts, he gives testimony as to what God has done and points to the gospel. And uh, I'm going to do that this morning about our life, uh, the, the things that God has taught us over almost uh, next month will be five years, uh, the things that the Lord has taught us. Uh, not uh, things that maybe I didn't know before, but things that uh, really were cemented into my heart and mind uh, from God's word as we went through uh, a really uh, difficult time. Uh, still, some days are more difficult than others, but God is gracious and he's been carrying us through. And so a lot of the uh, time as we're going through the sermon, I'm going to point us back to God's word. And uh, uh, sometimes you'll have time to turn there and sometimes you won't. So I'm just going to encourage you to write those verses down. And uh, um, I've entitled this morning's sermon called uh, Living in Reality. When we're in a time of suffering, when we're in a time of trial, I believe that we're living more in reality than any other time in our life. Because what happens when we're in a trial? We cry out to God. We look to God. We start realizing, hey, wait a minute. I can't do this on my own. When things are going well, we kind of we have this kind of idea that uh, I'm doing this. Uh, you're really not. So that's like, unre- it's not reality, okay? Uh, and, and But when we're in trial, when we're suffering, we, we actually understand that uh, we're small and God is big. That ought to be our conclusion. Tozer says this, only after an ordeal of painful self-probing are we likely to discover what we actually believe about God. In other words, it's, when, it's in the trial when you start saying like, do I really believe this or not? I've said I believe it, Right? And I have told others to believe it. But when you're in the trial, when you're in the suffering, that's when you realize, uh, do I really believe this or not? And so this morning, I have three challenges for us. If you've been in church for a while, you're, you know, this isn't going to be like rocket science. Okay, uh, Three things that you and I need to remember every day uh, for the rest of our lives. And uh, they're cry out to Jesus in prayer, trust the Lord Jesus Christ, and embrace the body of Christ. If we do, do those three things throughout our life, things will go well with us and uh, uh, we will become more and more like the children of God that God wants us to be. 
So those are the three points, but the, the outline is a little messy, okay? And, and, I, and I joke that um, it's messy because life is messy, right? It doesn't kind of go in the order that we would like it to go in. And so uh, you'll find that as we go through this, as I begin to give testimony what God has done in our life, uh, sometimes it'll be under point one, sometimes under two, and some under three, but uh, hopefully you'll get it. The guys have done a great job of putting some slides together, so uh, hopefully you'll be able to follow along. Well, it was uh, December 2011. Uh, our daughter, Hope, was nine years old, and uh, she had a tonsillectomy on December 12th. Things went well by all accounts. Uh, the 13th, she had some uh, soreness in her throat, but nothing to be worried about. Uh, early morning hours on the 14th, around five in the morning, she, uh, she got uh, sick. She threw up, and my wife had had the flu, and we're really worried that you know, is she going to get the flu too? That's not great, uh, just having a tonsillectomy. And so we were uh, worried about some of those things. And I started having the same symptoms. And so we're like, you know what? Tomorrow's a sleep-in day. Everything's off the table. We're just going to stay at home and uh, everyone's going to get better. That was the plan. And so uh, we did that. We woke up around 9 o'clock that next morning or that morning. And uh, uh, my wife could hear uh, what sounded like kind of like a coffee percolator. Uh, from Hope as she was breathing, and, and she'd had a little bit of congestion the night before, and so she said, I got to go down and, and uh, have her cough that out. And when she got to her, uh, she was, uh, Hope's lips were blue, and she was unresponsive. And so my wife, uh, being a nurse by trade, was able to assess the situation immediately, and she called 911. She had me call 911, and the ambulance arrived, and then they were able to establish an airway, and then they got into the ambulance. And uh, my other daughter, Gabby, uh, she was seven at that time. We got into the car, and we left for the hospital. And our heads are spinning. We had, like, I'm not sure what's going on, but she's in the hands of the medical professionals now. I'm sure they'll get it figured out, and you know, whatever this thing is, we'll, we'll get it over with and be able to move on. But what I didn't know is that on the way to the hospital, Hope had a heart attack, and her heart was out from anywhere between 10 and 12 minutes, and, um, but they were able to get her heart going again, and by the time we got to the hospital, she was in ICU. And no one had any answers for what was going on with Hope or why things were happening this way. And all through the day, her heart and lungs just really struggled. Her lungs, they were using an oscillator to try to get her lungs improved, and her heart just kind of kept failing. And so finally that evening, they just said, uh, we think that Hope's best chance is, is to put her on a heart and lung bypass. They said, it's really risky. Uh, we don't know if she'll make it through or not, but uh, we think it's her only chance. And so we went in and we kissed Hope, uh, still unconscious at that time and uh, said our goodbyes, and then we went and prayed. And a couple hours later, they came back and said the surgery had been successful, and they'd already told us that if things went well, then what they would have to do then is to fly her to Edmonton, because that was the only place um, that uh, could oversee the equipment. And so they took an hour and a half to move her from one stretcher to another, just to give you an idea of how many wires and tubes were connected to her at that time. And so they flew her to Edmonton, and we got in um, Heather and I got to the hospital not too long after Hope, about 5.30 in the morning the next day. So this was a Thursday. Thursday still was not a great day for Hope. Um, the lung, uh, heart, and bypass was doing all the work 
And at 7 o'clock that night, the doctor came around and was doing his rounds and said, yeah, well, things look okay. And, and my wife, again, with her medical background, she's like, well, things aren't okay. I mean, you can just be honest with us. And he said, well, I could say she's got a 10% chance or 20% chance, but she's got a chance. You just have to have hope. And I remember it just kind of hitting me like, like, like a brick wall. I mean, hope could still die. You know, I thought, you know, I kept thinking, okay, you just, you just do these things and the doctors know what they're doing and, and she'll get better. And, and I, I just was broken at that moment. And I remember saying to my wife, God picked the wrong guy. God picked the wrong guy. I can't, I can't handle this trial. And I'm so thankful for those words because that is the reality. There's no way that we would have been able to get through the last five years without the grace of God in our lives. And yet, he is faithful. And so I, I grabbed my Bible and I went back into the room with hope and uh, still laying there with, with all the tubes and wires and unconscious. And I just opened my Bible. And um, the first thing I want to challenge us with is to cry out to Jesus in prayer. Cry out to Jesus in prayer. And, and in that, cry out in humility. Cry out in humility. There's a couple of scriptures I'm just going to read for us. Psalm 88, 1 says this, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Psalm 130, verse 1 says this, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. I mean, when's the last time that you and I actually just cried out to God? I don't think until this time I had never cried out in this way in a way that I, I was just raw before God, recognizing I had absolutely nothing to offer and only he could help this situation. I mean, so, so many times I go to the Lord thinking that, you know, uh, okay, you know, this is what we do as Christians. We pray and I just kind of go through the motions and I give him my to-do list and thanks, Lord, and, and I move on. And there's not this, this emotional part in understanding that I am before the King of kings and Lord of lords. I have the privilege of coming before his throne because of what Christ has done. I mean, so many times our prayers are so heartless and, and in the trial, uh, you may find that you cry out to God in this way. It ought to be the way that we cry it all the time, recognizing that we really have nothing to offer. Only he can help us. We are a weak people, but he is a strong God. And so I want to encourage you to, to cry out to God. And the second thing I want to encourage you with is to trust the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in his word. Trust in his word. And so I, I had picked up the Bible. And I don't know if you guys remember uh, Matthew 5, through seven. Jesus gives like the best sermon this world has ever known. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of his sermon, he says in Matthew 7, 24 and 25, he says this, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. So he's just given this sermon. Everyone who hears these words, okay, everyone's heard these words. Everyone who hears these words and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And I'm like, Lord, <laughs> the floods have come, the wind is beating, and I knew that our only hope was to turn to the Lord in his word. And so I opened up 
Psalm 25. And I, I still don't know how I turned there. I just, you know, everything's kind of in a blur. But I turned there, and the Lord was very gracious, and he gave me words that I needed to hear. And so I encourage you, just turn to Psalm 25. Psalm 25. Of course, so many psalms are, are recorded of, of men crying out to God. And, um, and so I turn there, and I look down in verse 1. It says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I said, yes, Lord, I do. I lift up my soul. And then he says this, Oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Those were the words that I needed desperately to hear. Those who put their trust in you will not be put to shame. Harvest, do you believe that this morning? That if you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will not be put to shame. Now, that doesn't mean life's going to go the way that you want it to go. But do you believe that if you were to put your trust in him, that you will never be put to shame? And God just pierced my heart with those words. And I said, okay, Lord, I trust you. I don't know whether hope's going to live through the night or not, but I trust you. I believe that, that I will not be put to shame if I put my trust in you. So we got through the night, and the next morning, everything started to change. Uh, people had been praying literally around the world. They'd been praying for hope, and, and so like, okay, God's answering prayer, and, and, and they kept backing off the heart and lung bypass and backing it off, and finally said, we just need to take her off of it. It's like, okay, this is great. And, and, and um, by Friday evening, she was just having a little bit of movement, still no consciousness, but a little bit of movement. And, and by Saturday, they were, had tied her arms and feet down just so when she did come conscious that she wasn't trying to grab at stuff. And so again, we're, okay, God, okay. And I, I remember saying to the doctor, okay, you know, like when she does come to, like, what do you think? Like, how long will she be in the hospital? Like, you know, he said, well, you know, it's been a pretty major deal, maybe a couple of weeks. And like, okay, you know, I, that was a good lesson to learn, you know, the time to move on. We really learned to trust in the Lord. And, but on Sunday, uh, Hope was um, still laying there unconscious and my wife was at bedside and she just noticed this little bit of a tick, just her thumb going like this, sign of uh, brain damage. And so they, they took a CT scan and they said, yeah, there are some stroke areas that she um, most likely had because of her heart being out that long. And, uh, uh, but we're not sure what that means. And so I had already got in, uh, I, well, I hadn't already got, but I then got into the vehicle and um, drove down to Edmonton, or down to Calgary, and Heather stayed with Hope until she got on the, uh, on the plane, and, and then we uh, met up again down in, in Calgary. And I, I, again, I was like, okay, Lord. <laughs> My mind's just swirling, and, and I said, I need to hear from you. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust his word. Trust his character. Trust his character. And so I asked, Lord, what, what would you have me learn? And so I turned to Lamentations 3. Lamentations 3, and I, I, I turned to verse 21. Lamentations 3, verse 21, right after Jeremiah. If you want to turn there with me. And I looked down and I read these words. 
But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. What was it that Jeremiah, who who's known as the, the weeping prophet, as a man who had so much sorrow in his life, what was it that he recalled that he had hope? It says, the steadfast of the Lord, steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I remember that moment that God loved me as much at that moment as he's ever loved me, that he loved my daughter as much as he's ever loved her at that moment. His love never ceases. Never. His mercies never come to an end. Harvest, when, when do God's mercies end? When do they end? They never come to an end. They never come to an end. I needed to hear that. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Our God is so faithful. His, faith, his faithfulness is great. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Hope in what? Hope in who? Hope in Christ. Hope in God. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good. Romans 8.28 tells us that all things work together for good, for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, sometimes we hear that. Sometimes we say it. It's kind of like we don't know what else to say to this person who's in trial, and, and, it, and it sounds a little bit empty at that time, and maybe for even the person hearing it. But when it says all things work together for good, here's what we need to hear when we hear that verse. God determines the good, not you and I. Not you and I. God knows much better than I know what is good. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The Lord is our rock again and again. He's love. He's faithful. He's good to those who wait on him. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You know, sometimes when life is hard, we begin to doubt the love of God. Which is so crazy, isn't it? I don't know where you're at today. I, you could be going through a tremendous trial. I have no idea. But let, us, let me just remind you of this. The cross. The cross points to the fact that God loves us. That God loves us so much. God sent his son, his only son, to, to, to come to this earth. He came not to be served, but to serve. And then he went to a cross. He suffered for no reason other than this, because of God's love for us. He willingly went to the cross. And when he was on the cross, he took my sin, he took your sin upon himself, and then the wrath of God was poured out on him. Not me, on him. Because of his love for us. Of course, we know that he died, and then three days later, he rose again, defeating death and sin and Satan. But when you're starting to 
think about, oh, why, did, why God, why are, you making, you know, why are you making my life so difficult? Just look to the cross. Be reminded that he loves you very much. He's already taken care of your greatest problem. If you're in Christ this morning, your greatest problem, sin, which leads to death, has been taken care of by Jesus Christ. Everything else is, yeah, life is hard. We can have sickness. We can have financial problems. We can have all kinds of relational problems, all kinds of problems in this world, which, by the way, God said we would, right? He said, in this world, you'll have trouble. But he's already taken care of our greatest problem. I pray that you would be as Peter in your times of trial. John 6, 68 and 69, Simon Peter answered the Lord. He says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have to come that you are the Holy One of God. Only He is worthy to be turned to. In your time of trial, don't turn to anyone else. Turn to Him. He is our only hope. And I remember saying that again by God's grace a couple weeks later. To whom else will we turn? He is our only hope. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, trust his character. And so we got to Calgary, and um, next morning, Hope, or sorry, that day, Hope had seizure after seizure after seizure. They got more and more tense. They, they uh, um, gave her more medication, and finally they got it under control. And the next day they did an MRI, which revealed that Hope had brain damage 60 to 80% on every lobe of her brain. It was not the... News that we wanted to hear, but God had reminded us that his steadfast love never ceases. And the doctor who told us the information just kept telling us that over and over again. I, I wasn't, I, I, I don't, I couldn't, if she was here today, I couldn't tell you who she was. I, I nicknamed her Dr. Doomsday. Um, but she just kept saying the same thing. And so finally I just said this to her. We understand. We get it. Medically, physically, scientifically. There's not a lot of hope for hope. But we know the one who created her and he can heal her. But even if he doesn't, we're going to praise him. And so we, we began to get adjusted to this new news and um, hope um, slowly began to come out of her coma, but she was motionless. She couldn't talk. She couldn't do a lot of stuff. In January, they started to begin a plan. They hooked us up with palliative care that kind of tells you what direction they believed hope was going. They hooked us up with palliative care and um, talked about how we would adjust to life back home. But hope uh, began to have what they called dystonia and neurostorming. Like, has anyone ever had like, you know, with a muscle cramp, you know, in your, your calf muscle? Anyone ever have that? We got a couple of you. That's fun, right? And, um, but you finally, you finally get it out. But with hope, with this dystonia, it was like her whole body was cramping up. Every muscle in her body was cramping up. And it would go on for hour after hour after hour. In Calgary, this was only the third case that they had seen of this. And um, thankfully, praise God, there was a doctor who had um, uh, properly diagnosed it and said that there's only really one option, and it is to, um, to give her this uh, pump called a baclofen pump where they would give her a muscle relaxant up to the back of her spine. I remember those days and Harvest, if I could encourage you, cry out to Jesus in prayer, cry out in humility, but also cry out in faith. 
I remember watching Hope hour after hour and just not knowing how, when this would end or what, what would happen. And, and I finally remember praying differently than I had ever prayed. And I just said, Lord, if it's better for you to take Hope and, and to be home with you, then, then I'm okay with that. It was the first time I'd prayed that. And it wasn't like I was giving up. I was just, instead of this, I was going like this. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you have things in your life where you're just like, God, you got to give me this. You have to, we can, everything else can fall apart, but you have to give me this. And we just need to go like this. We need to say, God, you know better than I know. Your ways are so much higher than my ways. So God, if you want to do that, I, of course it would be painful, but I, I trust you. And I encourage you people to, to cry out with that kind of faith. Not to, not to say, God, it has to be this way. I, I'm, you know, you know there's only one set of people who came to the hospital that caused my blood pressure to go up a little bit. I don't know where your theology is at. But there's a theology out there that's like, you just go to God and you tell him what he's going to do, right? You just tell him. And, and, and they came and said, you know, we, just, we, you know, we don't think this was God's plan for hope. And I'm like, well, that, that's, you got a different God than I have uh, for sure because my God's in control of everything. And, and, they, and they said, you know, we just, we just got to believe and have the right, if we have enough faith and, and everything's going to be fine. I mean, it, it couldn't be a more painful statement to a parent who would do anything to see their child walk again, to do all these things. I mean, there's just no more painful thing. And, and it is such a twisted theology. Let's just think about someone who went through a whole lot of suffering. Anybody think of it in the Bible? Uh, Job, right? Job. Everything's going great. Huge home, right? Lots of children, good health. Everything's going great. And, and we're told in, in chapters one and two that God says, it's okay, Satan, for you to allow, uh, for take some of that stuff away. And he basically, he loses everything, right? I mean, unbelievable pain. He loses his children. He's left with a wife who's not real supportive. Uh, he, he's, he's, he, he, all his possessions are gone. And then his health, he's, he's literally sitting in ashes and scraping himself uh, with some kind of pottery or whatever. And things aren't good. And, and we read from like chapters 3 through 36, and he's just like, why? If I could just ask God, I mean, why? why? Why has he done this to me? So what does God do? Well, he comes on, he says, well, I just want you to know, I mean, Satan came up and he was saying, would he still praise me? Does he do that? He doesn't do that. He just says, I'm going to answer you, Job, but first answer me this. And then he just goes to like chapter after chapter talking about creation and how he God is over everything. And, and basically saying this, who are you, Job? You are creation. I am the creator. Who are you to question me? I mean, what a great book for you and I. I, I know it's been so helpful for me to get our minds right in a right perspective. He says, I know, and this is what the conclusion of it was in Job 42, Verses 2 and then 5 and 6, he says this, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust 
in ashes. And so, you know what we do when we go to the Lord in prayer? Does that mean we don't, well, I guess I don't ask then. Do I ask? Well, sure I ask. You know, if we had like a young child here, I'm looking around, I don't see anyone too young, right? But, but like a two or three-year-old. Uh, sometimes they come and they ask mom and dad for things that, yeah, not a good idea. Anyone can relate to that? Hey, can I play with the chainsaw, dad? You know, it'll be so much fun, right? What's a good dad say? Oh, of course, son. I'm not going to withdraw anything from you, right? No, right? He's going to say, no, that's not a good thing for you. And so you and I, and this is still what I'm doing. I, I was so encouraged by Johnny Erickson Tata's uh, testimony when I was reading her book. At that time, she had been in a wheelchair for 30 years. Do you know what? She still prayed. Lord, you could heal me. 30 years later, you could heal me. I'm asking, Lord, that you would do that, but I'm trusting in you. And in the same way, when we come to the Lord, we, we come as a child and we say, Father, we, we, this is what we're asking. And we know that you're able. We still pray for hope's healing. We're still praying for it. We're still asking for it. But we also trust him. We also believe that he knows what's best. And so that's what I want to encourage you to do. Cry out in faith. Well, um, so, so they, they go to put the pump in. And I remember uh, asking about the pump. And what would be the signs that Hope wouldn't need the pump anymore? Uh, she's always going to need it. I, I get it. But, but what would be the signs if you know, she didn't need the pump anymore? She's always going to need it. That was the last thing. So keep that in mind. Okay? And, and um, so she gets the pump. Things improve uh, with the whole dystonia thing and, and neurostormy thing. And the next thing that happened is Hope's stomach just stopped working. Just stopped. Well, like they put some dye in it to see what was moving. And guess what was moving? Nothing was moving. Absolutely nothing. It, it hadn't really even seen anything like this. And so they said, well, maybe we should just open up the bottom of her stomach. And, and, uh, and I said, okay, well, what, what if she ate again? Well, Hope is never going to eat be, because uh, um, of her condition. She'll never eat. And she might taste a few things, but she's never going to eat. And so we were like faced with another decision. And then we just said, well, we're just going to pray about it. And by God's grace, her stomach started working again. And so enough that they put a G-tube in and... Uh, and that was in April. And finally, in mid-May, five months after everything had started, we went to go home. Hope at that point could not talk. She could not walk. She could not eat. She was blind. She was incontinent. And we had no idea how much she understood about the world around her. It's not what we had hoped for. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. And the Lord has shown his mercy to us again and again through the body of Christ. I want to encourage you people to embrace the body of Christ. Embrace their care. I don't know what kind of person you are, but I'm the kind of person who I don't like to ask for help. Can you relate to me? Right? Um, um, there's a word that starts with a P that's the cause of that. Uh, ends with ride. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Our pride, our pride says, oh, no, 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 I got it. I'm okay. I don't need any help. Well, that's a lie. We all need help. Every one of us needs help. We all need one another. So thankful that you've chosen this morning to come and to gather together with the body of believers. 
We need each other desperately. Now I want to encourage you to embrace the care that is here. In Matthew, Jesus was talking about those who are hungry, those who are thirsty. Matthew 25, 34 through 40. He talks about those who are hungry, those who are thirsty, those who are strangers, those who are needing clothing, those who are sick, those who are in prison. And he says that the way that you've cared for those who are in your midst, you've actually cared for him. And and in this room, every one of us are represented in this story. Some of us need care right now, and some of us are able to give care. Right? There's seasons of life where things are going, by God's grace, fairly well. I want you to encourage you, if that's your case in your life right now, to come along those who are hurting right now. And then, as God would have it, someday in the future, you're going to have it where you're going to be hurting. And then those people will be able to come alongside you. Embrace the care that is here. God has been so gracious to us in that so many people have, have helped us along the way. For, for our five months in the hospital, two meals a day were brought to us. Two meals a day. I mean, the, hospital, the people in the hospital are like, I've never seen this, right? I mean, for a week, maybe. Not even that, right? For five months, they did that. We were able to leave the hospital in a wheelchair van because the parents of the school, the girls that we're going to, got together and they raised money together as families. And then they, uh, through, through them and Loblaws Charities, we were able to purchase a, a wheelchair van. We never would have dreamed to be able to do that. $60,000. And so we were given a van. As uh, the, the trial continued on, uh, there was a, a woman in our town who said, We've heard, I've been following your story. I'm a home builder. Can we help you? And so between the help of them and the tradespeople and, and uh, finding out what we could afford, we were able to get into a wheelchair-accessible home. Again and again, God has shown his care to us through the body of Christ. Well, as we got home, um, the things continued on, and, and uh, it was only a, a few weeks after, I think actually it was two weeks after we got home, um, it was my wife's birthday, and, and uh, we were having some time together. And Grandma, uh, my, mo- uh, my wife's mom, she said, do you mind if I just try giving Hope a little taste of this? I'm like, well, if she's open to, before anything comes close to her lips, she just starts gagging. And so she just tries a little bit, and, and she ate it, and she liked it. And then she ate a little bit more and ate a little bit more. And by October, they were able to take out her G-tube because she was eating again, something they said that she would never do. She also began to speak, and the first word that she said was Gabby. That's her sister's name. And uh, I mean, I could go on and on about what God has done in uh, Gabby's life and how he's used her. Uh, she's been such a huge support for her sister. She's 12 now, going on 18, and, um, and I've just seen the strength that God has given her. She's able to go through life's twists and turns, and she's been such a support to her sister. I remember the first time we heard them fighting. <laughs> it was such a bl- Like, Heather and I actually looked at each other and was like, oh, doesn't that sound good? Not so much now, okay? But then, right then, it was like, wow. That, we didn't know that that would ever happen again. And yet, it was. God was so gracious. 
But by late August, September, things started to digress again. And um, Hope stopped eating for a time. There was a time in uh, September that year where she would just lay there and cry and scream out, help me, God, help me, help me, God, help me. They should just say it over and over and over again. And we had no idea what was going on. In November uh, is when she stopped eating. October, sorry, October, she had, uh, she'd have this thing. I can't remember. that. You can ask my wife for the medical terminology if you want. But where she'd just laugh uncontrollably out of the blue. In November, she stopped eating. December, she, she's like there was these ang- uh, anger started coming on. Bad seizures. January, still angry, spitting out her meds, refusing to take them. And then by February, they're transitioning her from the therapy school to the Christian school she was part of, and they said she had very low cognition. In March, she was pulling hair. I mean, we were not encouraged because they told us that first year is the key year for brain recovery, or brain injury recovery. And so Hope had made some small gains, but it wasn't what we had hoped. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust his plan. Trust his plan. Not our ways, but his ways. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, he says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I mean, so many times we ask God, why is this happening? And I want to just encourage you, it's okay to ask that, but then put your trust in him. Put your trust in him. At the end of the day, we need to trust him. Wait on him. Believe, as difficult as things are, that he is using them for your good and for his glory. I'm not saying that it'll be easy and that there won't be wrestling. But we need to trust him. He is great and we are not. And my understanding is so limited. So limited. But he knows all things. And he's asking me to trust in him as we walk this road. Um, Hope got me a book this last year that has just been so helpful for me. It's, it's, a, it's a book about... Um, Fathers of the Disabled. Not a, no, not, a, not a big seller, okay? Not a lot of people in that category. But the, really the nail in this is, is to trust the Lord and trust in his ways and to stop looking at, what, at the way that you wish things were and start looking at the way things really are. I mean, so many times I, I find my eyes on, well, what would it have been if this? Or what would it be like if this? And, and I wish days weren't so hard. And, and I've just been so convicted. I'm just like the Israelites in, in Israel, complaining and whining and groaning. And I just need to stop that. And by God's grace, I need to just start looking at what he's doing. God is at work in your situation right now. I'm, I guarantee it. No matter what is going on in your life, God is doing great things in your midst if you would just open your eyes to see them. And I see that more and more by God's grace. He is at work. We need to trust his plan. Again, I want to encourage you that one of the ways that he cares for us in these ways is through the body of Christ. Embrace their correction. Embrace their correction. 
Sometimes we just need a brother or sister to come along and say, you know, I love you, so I'm just going to say what you need to hear. People who will walk with us through these trials. I remember Pastor Rick and Lynn, I don't know if you folks have had an opportunity to know them, but he's in Chicago. He was our coach in those early days of our church plant. And he and his wife just coming and weeping with us and being with us was so helpful. And then speaking truth into our lives, making sure that we were using the word of God as our guide, pointing us to the scriptures. God is so faithful to care through, for us through one another. Even in our own family, I would, I would be having the worst day ever and Heather would come along and just care for me. And then the next day, maybe Heather was having that, that same day and I was able to care for her. That's what God does in the body of Christ. And they speak truth. As we do that, we speak truth. I remember Garrett Higby. He's a counselor from Chicago. I remember in that time where, where Hope was just crying out, help me, God, help me. I was like, I had no idea what to do. I remember calling him and just saying, what? What should I do? And he, he, I just remember, he just reminded me of my role as a husband and as a father to lead my home. He's like, I'm not sure exactly what that is. I don't know, you know why that's happening. He gave me some theories, but he said, here's what I'd say. Remember your role as a father. Remember your role as a husband and lead your family according to God's word through this. I so needed that. So helpful for me. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So I want to encourage you to come alongside those who are hurting. Don't just say everything they want to hear. They don't need that. They need to hear what God's word says and you point them to it. Well, March came along. Hope started making gains in her speech. This was June, this is 2013, June of 2013. She became continent. Cognitively, she still could not count to 10, but by the end of the summer, she had a running tally of counting to 25,000. <laughs> 25,000. She would just start counting again. Okay, I'm at 11,122. And then she would just 23, 24. And it was so helpful for her because when she first started to try to count to 10, she'd go 1, 2, 3, 6, Oh no, not sit. And she'd catch it. She'd know it. But her mind was still trying to figure things out, still working towards uh, getting rewired, if you want to use that terminology. In September 2013, she could spell aerodynamics, which I still can't do. And um, so that was really positive. And then we moved into our new home, our wheelchair accessible home. Remember that pump? Well, in uh, starting in September 2012, we could see that it may be having an adverse effect. I mean, we're no, well, I'm definitely no uh, medical person. My wife, I guess she is a nurse, so she had one up on me for sure. But we could see, we could see that it, it doesn't seem to be helping in a good way anymore. So we asked if we could turn it down. Begrudgingly, they tried it. And we've seen that there's improvement, and then the improvement would go away again. So we used to ask if we could turn it down some more, and then we'd see improvement, and then it would go away. And it really actually became a real battle, and that my wife had to battle. I was over in Nepal, I remember, uh, just being like this huge thing. The doctor was like, this is absolutely not the right thing. It's not a good thing. And Heather had really just been praying, and I'd been praying, and her mom had been praying, everyone had been praying that, we, that God would just give the doctor wisdom. And... Um, so, so she said, fine, fine. We're going to turn it down, but then you're going to see. 
So then my wife's like, well, did, was this what God wanted? <laughs> and her mom was just so faithful to say, yeah, God was in control, so we're going to turn it down. And guess what? They took it out. About uh, six months later, they took it out. And um, I still wanted to, that doctor to say, hey, got to give glory to God here. I said that would never happen. Guess what he said? Well, sometimes these things happen, right? And you're like, ah, no, you said never, you know. But um, anyway, God is good. And uh, we try to point to him in all of these things for sure. He's the one that, that deserves the glory. Hope then had infection. It was a tough time uh, from that in the hospital again. Again, reminded of the fragility of life. But God got her through that. Embrace the body of Christ. Embrace their compassion. Um, uh, I'm just going to tell this story really quick because I'm getting short on time. I you know, literally could go on for hours. Um, but I think there's a movie going on or something in a, few, a little bit here. So um, Hope started uh, getting scoliosis after they put the pump in. Um, whether it was the pump or not, we don't know for sure. But she started, and so her backs just started twisting more and more. And uh, there was a lot of good people trying to help us and in, in looking at different ways, uh, alternative ways, rather than opening up her back and doing a full uh, spinal fusion. And, um, and so uh, we, we kind of like, okay, I think this is the plan. And so we went into the doctor's office. And I remember Hope, um, I remember that they did some x-rays and we've seen that it got to the point now where her, her, uh, her lungs were being crushed because of, of the way her body was. And for an hour, I, I argued with the doctor saying that surgery wasn't the right way to go. And uh, I remember crying <laughs> at the last, just like thinking, because I really was convinced that God was going to do something different. And I remember the God that even he used the doctor to show me compassion. I don't know if the guy was a believer or not, but he said, um, can I just read a prayer that my dad read to me when I was a kid? And it's the serenity prayer. You probably have heard it before. God, give me grace to accept with serenity the things that I cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, and here's the key, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. I still needed that reminder to just put my trust in him. And so we had this devastating news. We were supposed to go to some friend's place that night, he, a man who had been in the ministry himself. And uh, we, we, our um, wives had met, we had met, but our children had met. So we we're supposed to go to their place that night. Well, after this news, there was like, that's the last thing I wanted to do. But I just felt like God was saying, just go. And so we went to their place and we wept together and we shared together. And God just used that time as just a, a time of healing for our family. The girls had such a great time with their kids. And uh, I, I just want to encourage you to embrace the body of Christ. You have a, a beautiful thing here. Don't, don't neglect the coming together of one another. God is faithful to show us his compassion through it. I've been so humbled by the many, many people who have told us again and again over the last five years that they've been praying for hope. It's such an encouragement to us. This last year, um, by the way, Hope had to have that surgery, and uh, it went well. It took about a year for her to recovery. This last year, uh, seizures have been a major issue for us. Um, by God's grace, the last couple of months, 
Uh, things have been improving. But hope has come so far. I mean, cognitively, uh, she's, on, she's in grade nine. She's on a grade nine level. And uh, last year, she gr- jumped from grade four math to grade eight math and was getting 90s. If I can just help you to see how far the Lord has brought her. She had a, an assignment in school in grade eight. Uh, she was used to be supposed to write a poem with two literary devices using imagery and personification. And it's an acrostic poem, and her acrostic is the word wheelchair. And the title of the poem is Hope. And this is what she wrote. Want to go for a stroll, Hope? Says my wheelchair to me. Happily, Hope replies, what would I do without you? Everywhere I go, you keep me company, my friend. Eyeballs stare as we go past, maybe wondering how we met. Living with you can be hard at times because I'd rather use my feet, but I like that you carry me through. Comfortable sitting on your cushy seat carries me to a fluffy cloud of heavenly bliss. Helping me every day to get from here to there, able to get through my day because you bear my weight. I love you, my wheelchair friend, even though you bring me pain and grief. Riding along, you'll be a part of the story God is writing for me. Cry out to him in prayer. Cry out in hope. So many times, as I said already, I want things to be different than they are. And I look at things and I I complain and I start looking to the future and I start thinking like, will hope ever walk again? Will she ever see again? What's going to happen after high school? Will she ever meet someone who will love her for the way she is? And I wrestle with those things, and God just reminds me of, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you looking so forward? Why are you looking to those things? Just trust in me. Trust that I'm with you. Cry out in hope. There are many days where you just kind of wish things were different, that life was easier. When you feel alone. And then God is so faithful. He reminds me that he's there and that he understands. When I feel that life is unfair, he points me to the cross. We don't know what the Lord might do in Hope's life, in our own, but we know that more than anything, our hope is in the finished work of Jesus Christ. One of the things that Hope had said just a couple weeks before a tonsillectomy Heather was stressed about something. I don't remember exactly what the thing was, but Hope said to her, Mom, why are you so stressed? Jesus could come back tomorrow, and then what would it all matter? And those were words from the Lord. Because as we went through some really difficult times, you just, it's just like, well, maybe Jesus come back tomorrow. If Jesus come back tomorrow, we can get through one more day. When you think about, as you go through the book of Acts, you see these men and women and just the persecution that they endured. Paul being stoned, then getting up from that. They thought he was dead. He gets up from that and he goes on and he preaches the gospel in the next town. How do you do that? It's because they believed that Christ could return at any moment. And they wanted to be found faithful. It says in Romans 8, 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. 
Our hope is not in this life. Do we know that? Our hope is in Jesus Christ and him alone. You know what? I don't know whether hope will walk again on this earth, but I do know that she's going to leap before the Lord someday in glory. She may never see again on this earth. The first thing that she may see is the face of Jesus Christ, her King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Only he knows that. He is our hope. Harvest, is he your hope this morning? Are you putting your trust in him? Can I remind you of what we've looked at this morning? Trust his word. Trust his character. Trust his plan. He has given us the body of Christ. Embrace their care. Embrace their correction. Embrace their compassion. And cry out to him in prayer. Cry out in humility. Cry out in faith. Cry out in hope. And we pray for us. God, you are so faithful. Lord, I pray that every person in this room knows that to be true. God, that they would look to your love on the cross. Lord, that they would look to your compassion and care for them. Lord, through the body of Christ, through your word. God, this morning, I, I fully recognize that there are people here who are hurting and God, I pray that you would be very close to them this morning. That these things that I've spoken about this morning, they'd recognize that they're not just about what some preacher said, but they are found in your word. That these truths are a lifeline for us. Lord, that if we would put our trust in your word and do what your word says, that no matter what the storms are in this world, that Lord, we will not fall. And that there is a life that is to come where there'll be no more sorrow, no more pain. And we will be with you in glory forever. God, help us to persevere. Help us to continually keep our eyes upon you. Lord, I'm so thankful for the opportunity that we're going to have to do that even now as a body of Christ. Remembering what you've done, looking forward to what you're about to do. Lord, would you be glorified in this body, we pray. Amen.